well, look who's back with episode number seven. It is Lost in Postulation once again. Delighted to be back. I'm Neil Fitzpatrick and joining me as always is Nicola Volpe. Yes, uh, great to be invited back for a seventh episode. Seven in a row. Unbelievable. What are the, yeah, what are the chances? <laughs> missed one. How about that? What are the chances? We actually saw some rules of thumb online suggesting that for new podcasts, it's around this time that most people get either demoralized or bored or maybe it, it already fulfilled or it already ticked whatever box they had. And right. most people seem to stop around seven. Yeah. From my side, I can tell you, I don't intend to stop. I don't know about you. We're not leaving. We're not leaving. We're not leaving. There's a GIF uh, that we could, <laughs> if this was a video uh, podcast, there's a GIF we could insert. But uh, it's looking good. And uh, thanks, Very. everybody. As ever, thank you so much to everybody for all the nice words, the feedback, the listens. Mm -hmm. We love those. We love the five-star reviews as well. Please keep those coming. Those keep are really those nice. coming. Those are great. The four shares. stars, decent, but the fives are fantastic. I'll take a four at this stage. Yeah, I mean, we're in early days. <laughs> yeah, um, we love the shares. We certainly love one particular thing, which is we received a the first of what is hopefully many listener postulations uh we got a listener postulation in and we're going to take that uh, this episode so uh final yes. final sector final section of this episode is a listener postulation which i'm very much looking forward very to. exciting very uh, exciting so lots on the agenda before we get into it just a quick reminder we are on twitter we are at in postulation on twitter there was not enough space for loss but that's okay <laughs> uh slowly slowly climbing the old follower count there and we would love your uh, your yes. support as always and you can get in touch with us via Gmail. That yes. is at lostinpostulation at gmail.com. That, exactly. that address was not taken. So, uh, we and didn't. that is uh, postulation, not population. As, as we feel uh, <laughs> necessary to remind. Uh, and to listening. remind ourselves as well. Oh, true, true, true. We, we get it wrong uh, on a regular basis. But with that said, I think it's time to jump into our opening postulation, which is more yeah. of a more of an update from my side. Yeah. Uh, on the way here, uh, I was reflecting a bit uh, on my energy levels and I, I realized, hey, I, I might... Uh, benefit from a little kick yeah. but i've already had two coffees today and i was like well you know i'm on my way i'm, I'm on the go so i succumbed to something uh which i wouldn't normally do i went through phases but it, you know I, I wouldn't normally do this but i walked into a 7-eleven mm -hmm. and from our fresh from our episode last week where we talked about austrian uh beverage companies mm -hmm. i picked up from the shelf a red bull look at you in another effort to bridge a gap to our Austrian listeners to present a bit of a of an olive branch. Exactly. I was going to say this is if it, <laughs> let's take this as my uh, heartfelt condolences to the Austrian listeners after the last episode uh, to Christoph specifically. Yep. Um, no regrets. I stand by what I said, but uh, I can understand if they're hurting right now. Okay, so you took a Red Bull and uh, thoughts? Well, the thing first of all is I drink a crazy amount of coffee anyway. Right, filter coffee, which is like the highest level of caffeine. So I full black. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. no, no milk ever. Right. So my tolerance is probably pretty high i would say as a start okay. as a baseline yeah so that said this is still a lot of caffeine i may have drank it fairly quickly so uh you could say i'm feeling some some caffeine buzz right now yeah. i'm talking at a slightly higher words per minute than normal so slow uh, him down to yeah. 0.8 guys everyone just go into your podcast apps and slow me down that'll be great but um i don't think anyone buys it for the taste necessarily the taste um mm. reminds the the drinker of dance floor and nightclub situations very Jaeger bombs and and regrets. So not uh, just the taste. I mean the smell as well, right? Oh, like, the, the smell hits you first. You crack that can, and yeah. you, you can even be outside. You can be anywhere, and that mm. that smell is going to hit you. Uh, however, it does exactly what I wanted, which was deliver a high dosage of caffeine at well, a short notice. There you go. There you go. What's your uh, energy drink policy? I'm not an energy drink. I mean, I'm so wired just from two coffees a day. So mm. the espresso does the work for me. And I, I'm so sensitive to the caffeine, actually, that mm. anything after 2 p.m. Oh, yeah. 
I I won't be able to uh, to sleep. Be tossing and turning. That's yeah. how. Now, as a kid, I used to have like Coca Cola much more often, even for dinner, or whatever. Mm. I don't know if it's a significantly lower dosage of caffeine in in the Coca Cola, or if I've just. Uh, I think it must Grown be used to not having such a high intake anymore. But it's so good. I mean, like for someone who, as as you do, runs and exercises so much, it's probably a good thing that you don't rely. You get your energy from you know right. actual exercising rather than <laughs> get from, your heart rate up that way. Caffeine, right? yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's plenty of of research out there and discussion about you know, are we all addicted to caffeine as the world's most uh, legal drug? You know, is it like causing us damage? Could very well be. The jury is out on this, by the yeah. way. There's some interesting uh, yeah. debates on both sides. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that you kind of go through phases of, and I'm I'm hopefully not going to fall off the wagon and start drinking a load of Red Bull again. But uh, I'll yeah. tell you what I do though, um, and a lot of runners do, especially on the longer runs, is energy gels. Oh yeah, a little squeezy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's more also to get those kind of minerals back into your body, which you're exerting, but they do have a huge impact. So, like over a marathon, for example, I'll have, I'll have a belt on mm. with seven to eight of these gels. Are they? And dextrose? I'll have almost all of them. Are they more dextrose though? Are they like like they're more sugar than? Yeah, also, they're, and they're isotonic, so yeah. I don't need to combine it with water. I can just yeah, kind of shove yeah. it down. And then the key is to do it not when you're having the crisis, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, but to preempt it, right? Huh. So once you get started with it during a race, you just kind of keep going. Huh. Uh, can lead to some GI issues from time to I can time. imagine. We've uh, seen some famous uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> material, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, Paula Radcliffe had a moment, I think, not too Yeah, uh, very yeah. famous. But yeah. uh, they say you haven't... Uh, truly push yourself in distance running until you have a Paula Radcliffe-like moment. A Paula Radcliffe. Uh, I pray that day never comes. Have you, dare I ask, have you had a Paula Radcliffe moment? I have not during the race, but uh, awfully close. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To the point where I had to, you know, sprint through the finish line straight towards a, a yeah. wonderful porta potty which had already been used by thousands oh. of runners by that yeah point, your marathon so. was a, a bit longer right? yeah exactly yeah. exactly didn't, didn't even have time to stop the watch at the finish line no, no it was no. such a crisis so no uh, hugs no uh, uh no but no. i've had uh, various uh running mates and friends that have had it and uh, even a bit earlier on in the race and uh <laughs> i mean uh, no. some have had to get into taxis afterwards you know let's uh, okay okay <laughs> i think we can spare the listener any more detail but uh, oh wow yeah yeah uh, well from from energy drinks to energy gels to <laughs> yes. uh polar eclipse we, here we are exactly yeah. uh yeah Paula, uh, if you want to uh, come on to the pod at any point to tell us about your experience let's uh, hear her side of the story yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. exactly you know what we're we're here we are a balancing act on this podcast there are no conspiracy theories here well on that note i think we have warmed up just enough and we're ready to move into our uh, proper meaty postulation of this episode which is a dinger of a of a topic so uh from last week the listeners who have been listening week by week will know we've been talking a lot about film and uh, in the aftermath of last week's episode we both kind of came away ready to talk a bit more about the state of film more broadly mm -hmm. some mm -hmm. some big reflections that we took away uh you might remember from the episode there was a couple of moments as well we we looked back at, at a certain year in particular but uh without further ado we're going to get into that listeners strap in it is going to be a big one and uh looking forward to it so uh you ready nicola it's going to be a wild ride we'll be back after the break all right 
Hi, and welcome back, listeners, to uh, Lost in Postulation. Uh, as Neil mentioned, we are talking about the current state of film, of movies, of the cinema in general, uh, particularly pertaining to uh, to Hollywood, but we'll also touch a, a bit upon uh, something other than that. So where does this come from, right? So Neil and I, we were planning to do an episode on biopics uh, today, uh, in fact, and based, uh, based on a true story, uh, movies. Uh, we got together to uh, to compile a list uh, and uh, of, of based on a true story movies we had seen uh, to start to to have that as a basis for discussion and for postulations. Um, and then that list, I mean, we were looking at it and we noticed that there was almost nothing in it from the last three or four years. Nada. It it was uncanny, right? And then I went to sleep that night, and uh, it's almost like I had an epiphany. And the next morning, uh, not to give my thinking too much importance, because many people have said uh, parts of this postulation we're going to get into, right. but this epiphany where I was like, where the hell are we with movies? That you and I, two lovers of the cinema, of the of the movies, of film, are not liking much of what's been coming out. There's just no pull. I, I, like, there's no, there's nothing making me go, oh, gotta get into the cinema to see that one, or even just gotta sit down and watch that one. You know, like, I just, I, I really miss it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you, hundred percent. Exactly, exactly. So we have, uh, there's a big gap there. So I think we let, let's try to, you know, postulate through this together. Let's do it live in terms of what we think, you know, are the core drivers of this. What's wrong with cinema? Mm. Uh, where we can dig back into, for example, the great year of 2019. Uh, to see uh, what flashes there were in the pan there and mm. uh, and how can we uh, make a proposal to fix this. 100%. Uh, and I guess the, the usual caveat applies, which is that we are not professional film reviewers, uh, film critics, what have you. I don't believe either of us have been educated on this topic whatsoever. So I guess the, the, <laughs> the point is uh, we're, we don't uh, presuppose to know everything or uh, indeed anything about this topic right. other than our own opinions. And uh, yeah, let's let's frame it in that context that, you yeah. know, we are just two more voices into the void here. And uh, we also want to hear the listeners' uh, thoughts on this. Would you say you're more of an expert on financial advice or on mm. uh, the state of Hollywood? I would say I'm equally ignorant within those two topics. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really don't, I don't rate myself as an expert in basically anything. So uh, take that, <laughs> take that listener with, I will. <laughs> with a pitch of salt, maybe. Except for Austria. Um, oh, yeah. Well, as we saw. That was, a, that was a passing grade, by the way. That was 40%. I, in the quiz last episode, I got... Uh, I really don't know what kind of schools you went to where 40% was a passing grade, no, but... That uh, is a passing grade. In 40%? Yeah, Less yeah, than yeah. half That's of the That's a D quiz. minus, All sir. Right. Well, uh, you know, whatever uh, yeah. helps you sleep at night. It certainly and does. It's yeah. certainly not the state of Hollywood that helps you sleep at night because, Neil, I've lined up three lists. Uh, that I'm going to read to you. I'll pause after each one to get your initial reaction. And we're going to use those three lists as the basis for this discussion. Sounds good. Sounds good. List number one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Coda. Nightmare Alley. Don't look up. Dune. Drive My Car. Belfast. Licorice Pizza. The Power of the Dog. West Side Story. Mm -hmm. King Richard. It goes on. Nomadland. Sound of Metal. Mank. Minari. Promising Young Woman. The Father. Judas and the Black Messiah. The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Okay. That's list number one. Okay. 
And I, I think uh, most most kind of up-to-date film fans will probably know that list. I, yeah. You didn't clear this with me in advance, but I'm no. fairly sure this is the Best Picture nominees from 2021 and 2022 combined. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Cool. Indeed. And I, I have to say, you know, we were, we're about to talk about the state of cinema and maybe be, be negative, but actually there were some good movies in there. There's some good stuff yeah. there, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we've had uh, some uh, Trial of the Chicago 7, Sorkin, Judas and the Black Messiah. I uh, I enjoyed. I went to see Minari, uh, yeah. you know, fine. But we also have, you know, Don't Look Up. Yeah. I mean, what happened. we like yeah. Adam McKay, but why the hell is that nominated for an Oscar? It's just a mess. Yeah, but that that's right. the, that says a lot about the year we had, right? Right, this exactly. Was, uh, yeah. Um, so that's list number one. We'll get into you know okay. what that okay. means uh, uh, a bit more uh, more broadly. Okay. List number two. Are you ready? I think so. Avatar: colon, The Way of Water. Mm. Top Gun: colon, Maverick. The colons are going to be a big feature of this list. <laughs> Jurassic <laughs> World: colon, Dominion. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. No colon. Oh. Minions. Colon, the rise of Gru. Black Panther, colon, Jeez. Wakanda forever. The Batman. Oh, yeah. No colon. No colon. <laughs> that would, that would ruin the, it. Yeah. Thor, colon, love and thunder. Watergate Bridge. No colon. <laughs> Bizarre. No, also yeah. no name recognition whatsoever. No, true, true, true. Um, but made $626 million worldwide at the box office. Hmm. And I'm going to round you off with two. Moon Man and Fantastic Beasts, colon, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Oof. That's a painful list to listen to, isn't it? Uh, okay, so... I guess this is top grossing 2022, like the worldwide box worldwide. office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that is depressing. Surely, like, uh, there's not a good movie in there. The Rise of the Colon. Yeah, hundred percent. There's a year of the Colon. Jesus Just call Christ. them Avatar Two. Do Jurassic anything. World 25. But Why I do we need that colon? This is what people are shelling out for. If you like, you put in a colon, and people are like twice as likely to go see it. Apparently. Yeah. So Jeez. almost everything in that list. Uh, about nine out of 11 of those. Sequels or franchises, Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. Uh, Avatar, colon, The Way Home. Way the water, uh, even. Grossed 1.7 billion. And it, it only, only came, came out, out towards the end yeah. of 2020. Have you seen it? I have not seen no, it yet. I mean, have you? Again, this is what I'm saying. I have no desire to see I, it. I honestly, I couldn't care less. Yeah. James Cameron, yeah, fine, whatever. But mm. why, like... If I'm going to spend the money to go to the cinema, yeah, yeah. I want something, you know, a bit original. But we'll we'll get into mm, that mm, with our mm. postulations. Okay. I have a final list for you, Neil. Okay, hear me. And this is a bit of a different spin. It's not uh, film titles. Okay. It's people. Oh. Reese Witherspoon, mm -hmm. Jennifer Aniston, Anne Hathaway, Jared Leto, Taryn Egerton, Brian Cox, John Berntel, Kevin Costner, Kate Winslet, Gary Oldman, Miles Teller, Jeremy Renner, and Olivia Coleman. Hmm. So this one I might not actually get because there's a few ways to interpret this list. Mm -hmm. These are all Oscar-nominated actors as far as I know, or some of them, a lot of them are, right? Yeah, so some of them have been. but And some of them haven't, so yeah. I, I see that too. And a lot of them appear in some of the Oscar movies in the last couple of years, for sure. Like Olivia Colman won Best Actress from mm -hmm. uh, from The Favourite yeah. a few years ago. Um, 
But then again, a lot of these have been appearing in TV shows rather than movies. So that could, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I know like some of those names like Jennifer Aniston did some really nice new TV, yeah. right? Which was actually well received yeah. and like really so good. So this, this is a list of A-listers oh. that have, uh, have starred in a series in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, in at least one season of a series. Wow. Those names. Jeez, I mean, Kate that's Winslet. That's the that's the gang. I mean, the, the gang's all here. These are like the big actors of Hollywood, right? And I mean, the, yeah. yeah. And, and they're not making seen, feature films. No, I mean, they're probably doing like one a year and then doing a series. And I wonder, is there more money for them in series these days? I don't know. I guess it depends on the movie. But yeah, jeez, yeah. stark. That's uh, that's something, right? So if we put these three things together, right? Yeah. One, we have the Oscars and the Academy clutching at straws, seemingly being more out of touch than ever, mm. trying to pretend like they're in touch, seemingly having no clue what they're doing. Mm. Just random stuff, right? And mm. that's you see that to their nominations, but potentially also a problem not only of their own making, just not having much to go for, right? Well, on, on that topic, though, pausing a bit on, yeah. on the Oscars specifically, how much do we think that COVID has actually had the impact here? Like, because we're mm-hmm. going to talk about 2019 being a good year. Right. And obviously we all know what happened in 2020. And given the long production time of movies, isn't there probably like a knock-on of COVID still here where just there, it wasn't much being made. There was just less money to go around. There was less kind of projects being funded, you know? So what worries me is there was a huge postponement of stuff that was already in post-production oh. uh, at the onset of COVID. That, like Tenet, for example, which right. like, didn't get released until COVID exactly. was kind of... Or Top Gun Maverick, which was then released three years later, basically, after yeah. it was finished. Okay. Bond as well, whatever. Hmm. Um, so that stuff has now all come about. And in the meantime, we're not just looking at one year of data, right? At the second year... Uh, where then production was also up and running everywhere, hmm. that we're still having that trend. That's what starts to worry me yeah. uh, a little bit, right? Okay. Uh, and also uh, looking already in 2019, uh, it seemed like a flash in the pan year. We'll get into what those movies were, but there was already all the rhetoric about streaming versus mm-hmm. being in the cinema, all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I think COVID plays a role, uh, but I think... Uh, where, where the Academy might want to, and Hollywood producers might want to hide behind COVID and Corona as mm. a, as a mm. reason for this. I think there's something much more fundamental. Jeez. So I guess the, the first conclusion you can draw is when you put these lists side by side, right? Yeah. Especially list one and two, you see what makes money, sequels and franchises, mm-hmm. what wins awards, very average movies. Not, and not necessarily the two, like we don't actually see the top grossing movies landing in the best picture list, right? At least from what I can see, there's there's not like each year there's one big kind of movie that that comes through into best picture right. nominations. But actually, a lot of the best picture nominations are either a bit indie and they they explode after a film festival or something, right? Or they're foreign movies like Parasite did its thing, and, and yeah, that's another interesting postulation. Which indeed, indeed. We'll so yeah. we and when we were going over and back about this, we talked about is this an issue with cinema or is this an issue with American cinema? Mm-hmm. Because that's what the Oscars really is. Right. I mean, Parasite being the first foreign movie to win Best Picture right. is surely a testament to that, right? But right. I don't know. I think it's uh, it's it's so multifaceted this problem. But I think what's depressing to me, what's most depressing, is that the money talks here, right? And that what audiences are willing to pay for in increasingly high numbers sequels and franchises. And I just don't get it. I, I don't know yeah. why the, those have such a pull, but... Uh... I think what it, what it's done also is we've lost that in-between film, right? So if we look at the Oscars, like you said, 
more artsy independent things winning right uh we look at the box office it's I mean, the death of creativity, yeah. uh, essentially. Yeah. Um, all franchise, all colon movies. I'm going to start calling them colon movies, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, because it. that's yeah. what they deserve. Um, and of, and that's where the money is, right? I mean, it's making any film is, is a gamble, right? To a mm. large extent. You don't know if it's going to hit when you make it. That doesn't The fact that it doesn't hit doesn't then necessarily make it a bad film. But if it's not received, that ROI is, uh, calculation is quite, you know, it's quite a steep uh, steep ladder, right? So uh, I understand why it's moving that way in terms of money. But what this has done, these two dynamics, is essentially uh, we've lost this film that's in between. Mm. This film in between being the classic, you know, uh, two-hour uh, drama or biopic or based on a true story uh, because uh, the the hit ratio of that for its budget is a lot riskier than the blockbuster, uh, while at the same time you have on the other end of the spectrum the, the sort of indie films and, and so on and so forth, and especially foreign films, which don't necessitate as big a budget for that. Now, what I think where that has gone, where that has migrated towards is we've seen TV going from being uh, this linear medium of, you know, every week and so on and so forth to the advent of Netflix, binge watch everything right away, multi-year series to now the creation of this miniseries, mm. which I think bridges the gap and, and kind of steals that, right? Yeah. Uh, you look at the shows. I mean, I mentioned Kate Winslet, for example, Mayor of Easttown. That's mm -hmm. a classic one. It was a five or six part, uh, five or six episode mm -hmm. miniseries, right? Mm -hmm. Which is uh, which is a much smaller commitment for audiences than, you know, a five season, uh, 20, 20 episode uh, uh, a season uh, series. Uh, but it's something that they can do in one weekend and that they can do at their own pace, right? Mm. And it's still, you know, a six, six and a half hours instead of two. Mm. So uh, they can pick up their phone and miss five minutes and, you know, not be fully out of it, which they can do mm. in that two hour uh, film. So that's what I think is a bit my postulation on what's happening here is that, and and it's not fun because that middle film is what's gotten me into movies since mm. since I was a, an adolescent, basically, right? Exactly. So uh, those are basically dying a, a slow and painful death, it seems. Uh, and they're being replaced by by these miniseries, and you see that also by not let's not call it an exodus because these actors do mm -hmm. go back and forth, but. 20 years ago, a Kate Winslet, a Gary Oldman, you know, I mean, look at these names and, and Anne Hathaway, they would have never done quote unquote TV. Mm. And even Gandolfini doing Sopranos or like, you know. That was a steal. Yeah, Dominic doing The Wire, right? These are like guys who probably weren't as big as they should have been at that time, as we talked about before. And they were like, you know, it, it, we look back now and thinking, wow, what, a, what an A-lister that they had in that show. But that, it was the show that made them an A-lister, right? So I don't think it's fair to say that like TV has historically been a place where A-listers go to, to advance their career, right? Mm -hmm. But there was one thing that occurred to me as you were going through that there. And I wonder, is this another postulation linked to this? And I kind of referenced it in one of our earlier episodes, talking about Squid Game a bit. Mm -hmm. have, you, have you noticed, and maybe I'm just off base here, but let, let me know what you think. Have we got to a point with series where we all have just decided that at a given time, there's one series that we are all watching, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
for better or worse, it's like right now it's White Lotus, it seems like. That's yeah, fantastic. That's, that's the one that everyone is like, have you seen White Lotus? Have you seen White Lotus? Have you seen White Lotus? Have you seen no, White Lotus? No, I haven't Lotus. seen White Lotus. Stop asking me. But, <laughs> Watch White Lotus. I, thanks, you're the freaking 90th person to tell me. So, but the thing is, everyone's passionate about it. Everyone's like, oh, it's so good. It's amazing. It was Chernobyl a while ago during during COVID, yeah. if you remember that. Great miniseries. As we're talking about miniseries, yeah. right? But then it came and went. We all forgot about it. Like Chernobyl, we all saw it. It was great. Did you see it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I watched it. I told you to watch yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you told me, oh, I don't like uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they're saying the Russian people, but they have British accents. I stand by that. I stand by that. It didn't need that. Seriously, they could have gotten. They could have just gotten Russian actors. This is ridiculous. Anyway, um, the, but at the time, that was mandatory viewing, almost socially. Like to show up at the office, you needed to have at least watched these things. Mm. When House of the Dragon came out, there was a few people who, like every Monday, were asking me at work, like, "Have you seen House of the Dragon? What do you think of House of the Dragon?" Just, I know, and you're, so that's one that you don't want to partake in, right? But right. the issue seems to be that. Each TV series now being produced wants to be that it show yeah. that kind of gets its massive peak. If you yeah. search for it on Google Trends, you'll see this like an exponential peak and then a quick disappearance. And it's like, that's mm -hmm. it. That's the best you can hope for, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the TikTok effect of what TikTok does to music. All right. You know, and HBO and Netflix are now doing to series where right. rather than it having like a slow burn like The Wire did or Sopranos did, where it like garnered increasing viewers over from series to series, it's now like you want to just be that flash in the pan, instant hit show. That's the best you can hope for. Yeah. And then they're being built around that a bit. So it's like, hey, look what famous person we have in it. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Like White Lotus. Oh, hey, look, we have uh, the guy from Sopranos in it uh, or we Michael have Michael Imperial yeah Ma Christopher <laughs> now 50 or something years old uh, written still by still looks great by the way written by Ned Schneebly from School of Rock for the people who don't know yes exactly Huge. Mike White the legend and sorry very quick side <laughs> note because we just had the Golden Globes right and Mike White won quite a few awards I think for, for White Lotus and well he, deserved he wasted no time in getting on stage and ripping into every actor who turned down a role in White Lotus. Oh, I got to watch this. He said something to the effect of, you all turned it down, like pointing at the... Good job, Mike. And Good it, on you. And if you look at the cast, it is like, you know, not not exactly like top, top, top tier. Um, and they, they all came away with awards as well. So amazing. Um, but anyway, sorry, side point. I think all I'm trying to say here is like, Yes, we've noticed a clear trend, which is films now to make money are either sequels or franchises. My concern is series now are also kind of gearing themselves towards being viral hits, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, how can we become the talk of the town? How can we be a bit more out there, a bit more kind of viral, a bit more topical, you mm -hmm. know? And I kind of, I hope that doesn't catch on because I, I would rather something just gets made for its own sake. And it's like a story that somebody wants to tell or it's an interesting topic or a new take on something. Mm -hmm. And don't worry about the viral success so much, yeah. you know? But like this every day or every week we hear about this is cancelled or that's cancelled by Netflix or HBO. So yeah. that's more where I'm going. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, credit to HBO more than Netflix where it's due, where their series are more prestige and more quality overall, right? Mm -hmm. They're really going for those four or five big bangs a year, right? Mm -hmm. And consistent in that, whereas Netflix is just throwing as much shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. It's it's so depressing. Netflix, jeez. I, I, like I, I, I debate cancelling it every month that yeah. uh, that rolls over. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, now I think what that says, and that's quite worrisome. What you say there, because you're saying essentially. <laughs> Even the series aren't going to fill this gap between the blockbuster and the and the indie film uh, mm. anymore. Mm. Uh, it leads actually to the other point that that I know you're you're quite keen on making, which is the one about international cinema. Yeah. Uh, and that's quite interesting because uh, I can tell you when when I was growing up in in the U.S. 
I mean, no chance that 20 years ago uh, someone would watch a film in another language yeah. with English subtitles uh, at home, let alone in a cinema. I mean, you would find it in, in one big city in an independent cinema, maybe. Hmm. Whereas now, I mean, Parasite, worldwide hit even before uh, it won an Oscar, right? 100%. And we're, we're seeing more, uh, more and more of these and they're being appreciated. I have two points actually to make on foreign films uh, or let's say uh, ways of watching films in general, yeah. right? One thing that has become uh, standard in our home and maybe yours as well is every single thing we watch is uh, with subtitles now. So, original language. Uh, uh, yes, but even things in English, right? Mm. And the reason for yeah. that initially was that your my girlfriend is not in native English speaking, right? Right. Now, she's obviously amazing. We have the same with Maria. Exactly, yeah. right? And I kind of, uh, kind of, it doesn't matter to me, so I turn them on, right? But I noticed that my focus and my enjoyment of basically everything has gone way, way up. And I can even give a specific example. Mm. Have you seen, you've seen Tenet, of course. We, uh, I think we saw I Tenet. I think we together. saw it together, yeah. Uh, it was uh, the film to save the cinema. Exactly. Summer of 2020, post-COVID. <laughs> yeah. Insert sound effect. Didn't really work. Yeah, actually, <laughs> replace my sound effect with a, a real one there. Um, but that's a good example of a film who, I, we all know Christopher Nolan's tendency to mix sound like crazy, you know? But there's, there's entire scenes in that film which are like... <laughs> And you, you're, you're supposed to just be like uh, reacting to the emotions or whatever, right? But if you turn on the subtitles, it actually has the dialogue there. Yeah. Like, so it's not that he, you are supposed to hear it, right? And my understanding, like it's still a hard movie to understand, but like my enjoyment of it actually went way up. Mm. And uh, I highly recommend it for anything, just uh, as a side note, right? The point, I guess, looping back to the main, where this came from was we're talking about how nobody 30 years ago was going to the cinema to watch a subtitle movie. No. Actually, I, I can distinctly remember conversations where people were like, wait, does that movie have subtitles? Uh-uh, no, I'm people not. People speak a language other than English? Yeah. What the hell? I'm not going to read for three hours? Like, no. <laughs> you know, like, but yeah. whatever, like, I think what we realized is like, you you get past that within the first minute, you know, yeah, two minutes, and yeah. then you, you forget about it, right? Yeah. And then you don't even notice you're doing it, and then you get to see things like Parasite. I know we keep coming back to Parasite, right. but on on this topic as well, though, I wanted to give a shout out to a movie I saw last weekend, okay, which I have to highly highly recommend if anybody hasn't seen it, Triangle of Sadness, mm. directed by Ruben Östlund. And why do I bring this up? It's a great movie, and it's it's very original and uh, has some problems. It's been criticized for being a bit too on the nose satirically. Yeah. I don't care. I think it's brilliant. But uh, I watched after we saw it. We we watched uh, a roundtable with the actors and, and the director Ruben, and he's an absolute legend, by the way. Like he's he's one of those real directors who's just like a normal chill guy, and he's like, yeah. we wanted to make a movie that was like worth giving up your evening for and going out and seeing it. And, you know, we got to pay the bills. We got to get bums in seats, basically. We got to get people to see it, but we also want to say something about it. Yes. So Ruben, I think, has the right idea, which is we're not here to, objective number one, make as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. And B, we're not here to tell the coolest story possible and who gives a, a crap about the money. It's all about that sweet spot. And right now, I think films have fallen all the way to column A, where it's like, right. What's my soundest return on investment? Right. And I guess money is tied and yeah, it makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> For oh, example, geez, yeah. Talk about milking the cash cow. But uh, I also think, you know, I don't want to see it go the other way either. Like films have to be profitable. They have to like draw a crowd. They have to, to be sustain, yeah. intriguing. I just think we're so far from that now. But I hope that we can see more directors like Ruben Östlund, who yeah. uh, has exactly the right idea and foreign director, right? Swedish. Yeah. Yeah. Swedish. And funny you should mention Robin Östlund. Have you seen uh, from a few years ago, uh, Force Majeure? 
this other uh, no, independent film. I need to, I need to go watch it. Actually, that yeah. one is that's where I I learned about him. I think maybe oh, seven eight years ago that yeah, film, yeah. and it is uh, they did a remake with it with uh, I think it's with Will Ferrell and uh, Julia Dreyfus. I mean, I didn't even bother to see that because I just love the original so much. Okay, yeah, yeah, and that's another trend that's coming in, right? Mm, it's like mm. yeah, we love subtitles, whatever, but then there's an English coda which won the Oscar last year was a remake of a Belgian uh, French oh, film for example okay. so uh, but anyways a force majeure a fantastic story uh, of this Swedish family that is on a on a mountain holiday in uh, in France uh, yeah, in yeah. the Alps and uh, there's a, there's an avalanche all of a sudden and the father uh, kind of runs away and the rest of the movie kind of deals with the with uh -huh. this uh, this dynamic and uh, Really, uh, really solid. I haven't seen Triangle of Sadness yet. Yeah, get, Everyone get in my it. family has seen it except for me. So yeah, I'm really, uh, really eager to uh, to get out there. And uh, I heard that there is a 15-minute uh, scene or so with everybody. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess, but I yeah. even know it. Puking? Yeah. yeah? Uh, not just that. Yeah. Not, every, okay. every, every, <laughs> all bodily fluids are involved. It's, oh, fantastic. Uh, it is outrageous. And uh, if anyone's thinking of going to see it and, and doesn't know anything about it, don't Google anything about it. Just go go see it without knowing because yeah. it's really a ride. It's a roller coaster. But uh, we're not a film review podcast. Let's get away from this uh, particular. Yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> more, more, more to illustrate my point that uh, foreign film is more and more increasingly the way to go for various reasons. Maybe it's that funding is more readily available from government sources that like the Film Board of Ireland, for example, supported the creation of Banshees of Inishirin, which is now about to win Best Picture. for With Colin Farrell. Yeah. The man, about to win Best Actor, potentially. Your favorite actor, would you say? One of my favorite Irish actors. Okay. I, and well. he's one of the guys that on screen, I think I, I like him. Off screen, he's an absolute legend. Like if you watch him in yeah. interviews, he's just a, another, speaking of real ones, you know. Colin Farrell. He's a down to earth guy. Okay. And even more so as he ages, he obviously he had his wild period, as we yeah. all know. Yeah. But uh, look at him on Hot Ones. He did a, he did an episode of Hot Ones with Sean Evans where they eat the hot, hot wings. Yeah. He was amazing on that. Uh, a few days ago, there was an actors roundtable with all the basically all the actors that are about to be nominated for best actor. So the Hollywood Reporter. Or? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. Okay. So they did like a conversation, yeah. and without being overbearing and without being domineering, Colin really kind of leads it and you know gives credit where it's due and calls out the performances that he really liked and stuff. So good for him for sticking with it because he's yeah. gotten a lot of flack over the years, right? Mm, Anytime mm. something wouldn't go great, hundred uh, uh, percent. Oh, so it, it, good for him. Uh, he, like when he did what was it? Uh, wasn't Troy, but no, what, what was the one he did? Um, he did in Bruges, he did The Way Back. No, but what was the like Hollywood crappy blockbuster? It wasn't Troy, I don't think, but it was Alexander, Alexander the Great. He did oh, gosh. Oliver Stone yeah. directed. Yeah. So that was uh, horrible. And he actually talks about it in the, the interview that uh, yeah. they got absolutely slated. And he was like, I was, I got found out. I'm a fraud. I shouldn't be an actor, etc. Oster syndrome. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And he took that away and came back infinitely stronger as an actor, I think. Yeah. And then did in Bruges. And uh, here we are. Okay. Well, there you go. There you have it. The state of cinema, the state of Colin Farrell. Um, can I leave you with uh, with one last thing? A bit of uh, a bit of reminiscing. Absolutely. Some some indulgement on my side. One last list. Oh, Parasite. Oh. Nineteen seventeen. Mm. Ford versus Ferrari. Oh. Joker. Once upon a time oh. in Hollywood. Oh my God. The Irishman. Little Women, Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story. Literally, banger after banger. Like Four years ago. Oh, it's not that long. Ago. Is Why? that 18 or 19, that one? That's 19, and then oh, it was the, the 2020 movies. Oscar. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah. so they released in 19. Just literally not a dud movie in there. Like, absolute bangers. And testament is that you and I were going to the cinema that year at least twice a month. We had to catch up. We were like, we, the list came out and we were like, we have to see all of these. Like, yeah. And Denmark gets them a bit later, so some of them we had to wait for. Yeah, but exactly. But not one of those movies do I regret like, seeing. Even Jojo, which like, which is kind of the, the weaker on that list, I suppose, like yeah. watched it, loved it. Like it, every single thing has its has its merits, you know? It was, uh, what a year and some gambles taken also. I mean, the Joker, Todd Phillips doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Ford versus Ferrari, we enjoyed it. It was just Damon versus Bale. 1917, fantastic. Seemed like it was in in one shot, right? Yeah, amazing. And Parasite, I mean. Just remains to be beaten to this day. I think if anyone listening hasn't seen Parasite, you need to do yourself a favor and go watch it. It is. I've seen it three times. I absolutely love it. And yes, uh, Neil gets a commission from uh, Bong Joon-ho every time he mentions this movie. The the kickbacks. (laughs) I think I need to put like an embargo on it now for a few episodes. You watch that one without subtitles though now, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You've got to really feel the emotion of the Korean. (laughs) Uh, But like even on that list, by the way, two Netflix movies, like uh, Marriage Story, uh, not Once Upon a Time, but uh, Marriage Story and... The Irishman, actually. The Irishman, yeah, Netflix. Mm, we could get into The Irishman because I think that's a movie that gets worse the more you see it. But uh, no, I haven't seen it in two years now. Nobody wants to watch it a second time. That's the problem. Well, it's also you have to block off yeah. like an entire weekend to be able to watch exactly. it. Exactly. So somebody posted online, and so, this is a bit off topic, but somebody posted uh, how to watch The Irishman as a series, and they tell you when to pause it and when to, you know, come back. So it's like 40 minutes here, 30 minutes there. I think I'm going to keep my good memory of it. Yeah. I'm just yeah, not, yeah. not revisit Magical moment. Well, there you go. Jeez. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, 2019. Uh, bring it back yeah oh, but do you remember yes the uh last sidebar that was a netflix uh, original but it had in, a pre-release in cinema it, we went to see it in the we cinema. went to see it with a whole group and yeah. you remember what happened at the end credits of the film oh not not a, not specifically actually. you were quite embarrassed i stood up oh and I gave the yeah. film a standing ovation <laughs> standing in the o. middle of the cinema. you kind of expected a few more people to join you on yeah, that one i kind of had to force them but i, I managed to get a row I think that was brave. Like, this isn't Sundance. This isn't Cannes. We don't do this here in Denmark. But uh, Cannes, they just boo, basically. Exactly. Yeah, or whistle. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's the current state of the cinema. I think it's more of a kickoff. We'll keep coming back to this uh, throughout the year, I think, also as we we delve into... uh, We're just going to be waiting for a savior. You know, we're waiting for some amazing movie to come along and save this year. Because, I mean, so far, it's it's early days for 23, but I just don't see anything... Creed 3. Here we go. There's Michael another. B's directing it. Oh, he's not in it now. Or he is. No, no, he's also oh, in geez. it. He's directing. Not a fan it. Of that. He's doing that Bradley Cooper thing. Uh, Clint, they all want to be Michael. Clint. They do, and some of them will, but not all of them. No. Well, there you have it. So uh, we'll take a, a short break, and then we'll come back with a postulation from a listener. Can't wait. All right, we are back once again and on, as promised, to our listener mailbag. We uh, we did, we asked and you guys delivered, or at least one of you did, and uh, <laughs> the first of what is hopefully many. So uh, some of you might remember, the ones who are uh, religiously listening from week to week, back in episode four, I took a stab at solving the ongoing Will Smith, Chris Rock feud, beef, what have you, uh, however you want to call it. Uh, I took my honest stab at it. It was um, emotional. It, you can go back and listen to the full thing, but I basically had a, a strategy around, uh, yeah, using the magic of Christmas and uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol to solve the beef. Spellbinding stuff. And don't forget, 
coining the term, which Henry Kissinger would be proud of himself, Parmesan diplomacy. Parmesan diplomacy. I'll leave it to you to go back and find out, uh, dear listener, what that means. But uh, we have had strong reactions to that, and none more so than Graham O'Hara, our good buddy back in Ireland. And uh, he, Ireland. he uh, has been listening uh, religiously since the start, back in the early days of uh, last uh, December. And uh, he has actually sent in, and this is a format I, I didn't even think that we could do, but it actually makes perfect sense. He has sent in a voice note. We communicate often uh, over, over WhatsApp using voice notes. And why not just include his possibility here on the show so we're going to drop it in here now and uh we're going to give our take on it uh, straight after so uh without further ado i'm going to hand over to uh the virtual voice note of graham o'hara fantastic hello nicola and neil uh graham here uh long time listener first time voice note submitter um i wanted to send in uh, i guess a response to something that was said on the pod um in a previous episode, it was a postulation by Neil uh, around this, this scenario where he finds himself on a, on a flight from Singapore to New York, where he's abandoned his girlfriend after receiving a first class ticket, just in a heartbeat. And uh, he finds himself sat between none, none other than Chris Rock and Will Smith, uh, kind of caught between a rock and a hard bodied Will Smith, if you will. Um, so... He then receives a text from the US government, if I recall, saying that uh, unless he can resolve their differences, um, he will be fingered for a murder. Um, I imagine there's a few winky, smiley faces in in that message because obviously he hasn't committed this murder, which just sort of uh, makes the situation slightly worse. So that's his incentive. Now, speaking of incentives, right, he did also mention that Chris Rock has been very quiet about the whole situation. That Will Smith is on TV sort of trying to, you know, uh, smooth over his image and saying, you know, loads. Whereas Chris Rocks has been like, nope, not saying a word. Um, joking that he'll do his big Netflix, Meghan and Harry documentary one day. Now, I think that's key to why there's a massive flaw in the logic. So Neil talked about how he would sit there, watch Muppets Christmas Carol. He would offer the the Parmesan diplomacy and, and sort of just ingratiate himself to these people slowly while also not being involved, you know. Uh, and then eventually he would say what he says and then, then, then they all kiss and make up. Now, I think that it's actually possible to get those two to privately reconcile. I think it's all on Chris Rock to just say, hey man, I understand what you're going through. And while you know, there's no justification to slap someone, you know, we all do mad things when we're under pressure, et cetera, et cetera. It'd be a very beautiful thing. I think they'd land and it would all be great. However, I think Neil would walk off that plane thinking he'd done right. But there was one important detail was that the US economy is struggling, which is the most important thing, right? Um, capitalism is under threat, consumerism, all that stuff. And what he needs to do is make them publicly reconcile for the good of the economy. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they will privately reconcile, but there is too much incentive for Chris Rock to still do his Netflix program, which he has done nothing uh, after the slap. So he needs to do that to get the money and therefore the, the feud needs to publicly continue. And I don't think Neil can get around that. So since he's already going to go down for a murder, I think he may as well do the right thing. Now, I'm not saying which of the two he should murder, but murdering one of them would resolve the beef. Now, it's sort of like the train situation where you have a train coming down the track and, and if it goes left, it kills one person. If it goes right, it kills multiple people and you have the choice of sending it left or right. It's really hard to decide. So I'm going to leave it to the guys to postulate 
on uh, on which Will Smith or Chris Rock dies. And then there is an option C there. You can just go up and crash the plane. I think they both die and it's very unfortunate. And there's nothing like a celebrity death to really stir up an economy. Like this is like, you think Morocco has soft power there with the World Cup and things like that. I think America with its hard power um, can flex its, its sympathy muscles there. And a sympathy dollar is a very strong market. So um I think choose wisely there, but I, I just love to see a post postulation or a, a repostulation on this with 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 that with that particular detail sort of focused on. So I'll leave it back to you, lads. You know the experts in these things. I am merely an amateur uh, postulator, but um, you know I, I aspire to be like you guys one day, and I, I love what you do, and um, you know um, I keep doing what you're doing, and and fair play, and and and, and slana while you. <laughs> wow. Um... Thank you, uh, Graham O'Hara uh, from uh, from Ireland. That is uh, that is quite a quite a counterpostulation. And uh, I mean, what this podcast will go down for is uh, you know the Chris Rock Will Smith conflict resolution. This is uh, this just keeps going on. This is potentially the most that anything has ever escalated ever. Like in the in the in the shortest period of time. Wow. One minute you're listening along to the story, and then it's like, oh, oh, okay. And then, you know, as we heard, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, from, from a logical perspective, and mm. Graham, uh, what, what you said makes a logical sense. Um, I am uh, I'm a bit awestruck, uh, I have to say. You're, you're you lost know. for words here. Yeah, yeah, I really am. I've uh, He really took your, your Parmesan diplomacy and, and flipped it on the side of its head. And, he absolutely uh, did. Propose something uh, potentially much more sustainable in a sense. Well, what I like about this postulation, if I can uh, be so bold, is Graham has really dug into the context, the starting point of the postulation, and really solved it from there. You know, because he has said, okay, the U.S. government is going to imprison me unless I solve this, right. and their incentive is economic growth or prosperity, right? And that's it. he's like, if I don't solve that, then the thing's not solved. Right. Whereas when we talked about it, we were like, how do we get these two guys to be buddies yeah. again? You know, so it's an example of where the listener can, you know more accurately or more you know scientifically let's say postulate you yeah. know in, in a way that is even more accurate to the definition of postulation right. and he's really uh, the results orientation is uh, is amazing it's right root, it's ruthless yeah. i'll give it that yeah um it's not the strategy i would personally choose and i, I no. if he was here with us i would probably ask you know is there a way that i can get away with this without actually you know like right is it going to be a poisoning scenario you know i also wonder even if by continuing this conversation are we on the verge of breaching any federal laws. So I, I uh, also want to, uh, you know, stray no. on the side of uh, caution here. But uh, suffice to say, it is definitely a viable alternative if the strategy is simply to end the beef between these two guys publicly. Yeah. yeah. So on I that mean, basis, we, uh, we have to give it five stars on that that's, basis. Uh, that's unreal. Uh, and, and I think the next one for you, Graham, will be... Uh, how do you deal with uh, with the fallout of the of the royal family after the release of Harry's autobiography? Uh, we'd love to hear uh, from you and any listener on that. Uh, Neil uh, is uh, has actually already read through the book three times. Uh, I'm on in a just fourth, one just, week. You'd have to pick up the nuance on the fourth time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Big fan of the royal family. Not a royalist. You can <laughs> you can put it that way. Not a fan of what Mr. H is up to uh, at the moment and. Uh, Less. Can, can yeah. we touch upon that real quick? Like, yeah, just yeah. Where, where I'm a bit lost is, and maybe Graham and any listener can clear this up for us because uh, we're just we're just not there. Maybe Harry's smarter than the rest of us. Mm. You break off all relations with your family, move 
to the other side of the world claiming you want privacy for your nuclear family and your kids out of the limelight of you know the tabloids the media whatever and then you proceed to one release just way too long of like what was it a two-part six episode documentary which i started watching with maria one saturday and after 30 minutes we turned to each other we said maybe we should just go take a nap more effective use of our time um indulgent making us want to feel sorry for you sorry we don't because i mean just live the life of privilege and Mm -hmm. yes sure some of the stuff you've gone through isn't great uh and then you get an autobiography ghost written for you by a great author, by the way, who who ghost wrote Andre Agassi's autobiography oh. as well. Um, a sidebar. Um, but you just wanted to live your own life outside of the spotlight and not be in the public eye. Seems like, uh, and the proceeds of this book aren't going to charity. Let's remember that. They're not, or they are, they're, they're not. They specifically not. Um, or not that I've heard at least. So I mean, what the hell are you doing, man? Like this is an interesting one because what's triggering you here is the hypocrisy, right? Yeah. Because I I think if he had said from the start, I'm about to go make way more money uh, by doing my own thing, I'd almost have a bit more... At least it's consistent. At least it's honest, honest, you know? But obviously nobody could say that. That's completely, you know, uh, unacceptable to say. But it's kind of... um, I think a lot of people are having the same reaction. What I am enjoying, though, is if you go on Twitter now, you can see people are taking snippets of the audiobook uh, out of context, but like he, he, this book really like goes all sorts of places and uh, it airs out a lot of dirty laundry. Something sure. that I'm not a fan of in general, for sure. Then to do it about you and your brother and stuff like that, like, like burning bridges. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, the whole thing to me is just like the less I think about it, the better. And th- there are days and weeks when I go entire, you know, weeks without thinking about this this group, this family, you know. And I notice yeah. that I'm a markedly happier person when I do. So it's. It's an aspect, and obviously I'm a bit biased being Irish and we have a, our own, uh, you know, cultural context and biases against uh, the royal family uh, and the UK more broadly, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not that I love, you, love the UK, by the way, no, nothing against it. But fan. Uh, love you, yeah, yeah. But um, I guess the, the, all of that to say, like, how I feel about this isn't like a, a necessarily huge postulation or, or an original no. uh, take, but... Um, I also think it's kind of like the more I talk about it, the more I'm giving oxygen to the fire that is uh, this particular topic. So I'm like, you're right. I'm like the less said, the better about these people. Let's not bring that toxicity into loss and postulation. Let's be negative about other things. You can go listen to 4,000 other podcasts about about that. Just about this topic. Oh, yeah, certainly. But that leaves me on a, on, a, on a course of wondering then. So we've just successfully postulated, or let's say we have postulated, about uh, things that we're unhappy with, right? Yeah. Film as it stands today, hearkening back to a better time. We've had, we've, we've had to, you know, rag on the royal family now a little bit. Yeah. So what I want to commit to is for next time, we need to find something to be positive about, uh, to balance out all this uh, postulative negativity that we have brought. Right, right. And... Being positive about your forty percent score on the Austria pub quiz extravaganza probably made, isn't enough. I, I yeah. didn't give myself. Uh, I didn't set myself up yeah. for success there. Yeah. That's sure. No, but let's do it. I think uh, let's let's bring that balance in. And of course, uh, listeners, any uh, any suggestions for uh, for topics going forward? We're all ears. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go back into the the concept machine and start preparing things, and uh, and we'll be back. We certainly will. But I think for now, this is as good a time as any to uh, to wrap up. So thank you, Nicola Volpe. Thank you, Neil Fitzpatrick, one of many sons of Patrick.
one of the best. Uh, until next time, thank you. This has been Lost in Postulation. <laughs>